Okay, while the buckets are still going round, you might, if you've got a Bible with you, you might want to be turning to Hebrews chapter 12. In a moment, I'm... In a moment, I'm going to read the first three verses. I'm going to look at these together. If you haven't got a Bible, the words should appear on the screen behind me, so you can follow them there. But Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, the, uh, those who've been with us, particularly the last time I preached, will immediately be thinking, Rich, this is what you looked at last time. We've done these verses. And that's true. Uh, Last time I was preaching, we primarily looked at this fact. What does the author say? Having looked at all these wonderful examples of faith throughout the Old Testament, this great cloud of witnesses, since we see them, what do we do? What do we then do? We run the race with perseverance. We throw off all that hinders us. Fundamentally, we fix our eyes on him. We fix our eyes on Jesus. And so, in that vein, I want us to dwell here for another week. That we would, in that sense, fix our eyes on Jesus. That we'd look at the truth. These verses are huge in terms of content. And look at the, the great truth of our Saviour that is presented here. Who are we fixing our eyes on? Who is it? that we are to, to gaze at and, and look ahead to? Who is it that helps us? Who is it that enables us to run? It's Jesus. We're going to look, in a sense, Dan often helpfully divides things up like this. We look at a passage of Scripture and we want to see what is true and therefore, what do we do? Now, in one sense, we looked quite deeply last time at, well, this is what we do. So let's look a bit closer. What is true here? We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. A great cloud of witnesses, men and women throughout the Old Testament. We could go on and say throughout history, beyond that, that point to the faithfulness of God. That point, uh, that bear witness to the solidity and certainty of believing Him. Ultimately, a great cloud of witnesses that point 
to Jesus. We're drawn as we look, as we look through the letter to the Hebrews. You might want to go back and read and say, look, we're drawn again and again to him. Our writer has continually built this picture, this picture throughout the letter to the Hebrews. Jesus has come. It's Jesus who's come. It begins right at the beginning in Hebrews. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. He's looking back to the, the Old Testament times when God spoke to his people through prophets. He sent prophets one after the other after the other. At many times and in various ways. But in these last days, what? He's spoken to us by his son. Whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. He's presented this picture right from the beginning of the letter. God's been at work. God's been at work. God's been at work all the way through. But look here, something far better has come. God sent prophets. God spoke. God spoke in this way. God rescued his people. But look, it was all pointing to this wonderful, wonderful time. God sent his son. Something far better has come. Jesus has come. This is what he's been pointing out. This is what he's been saying. Look, don't look elsewhere. Don't look anywhere else. Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the one. You Hebrews who've come out of... You've been worshipping with your fellow Jews in the synagogue and and you've been following the Old Testament law, but now it's been revealed to you, Jesus, Jesus is the way. Jesus is what God was always meaning to do. Well, don't look away again. He's the one. Don't turn back. Don't turn to another side. Realize he is the one. Stop looking elsewhere. As we sang earlier, those simple words, there is no one. There's no one like Jesus. I could walk. I could search. I can turn around. I can look anywhere. I'm not going to find anything, anyone, any other way that's like him. It's what he's been pointing out all the way through. Jesus is the one. But what do we see specifically in these verses? Let's read verse 2 and 3 again. So we're to run with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We see in these verses Jesus presented as our as the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Our author calls us to look to him, to fix our eyes on him. Because he is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. They're quite big, complicated words in a way. Pioneer, we get... I think actually pioneer is quite a good translation. We can, sometimes we can have it translated author, founder, uh, leader. In some ways, pioneer captures something of all of that. If you think about a pioneer... Someone who pioneers something. Someone who leads out. And it's, I, I'm going to do something that no one's done before. See, after the meeting, 
I could lead you downstairs. If you, you don't know the way, I could lead you downstairs. We'll go out through the door and we'll go down the stairs and we'll come to the, the coffee area. But the way is there. I'm not doing anything unusual. I'm not doing anything that no one's done before. I'm not building the stairs to find a way down. I'm leading you. I can lead you. But it's not, it's not pioneering, pioneering in this sense. It's not really pioneering at all, actually. But, it, but when you get to the depths of it, it's not really pioneering. The pioneer speaks of something bigger, something deeper than that. Not just leading the way. But there's something bigger. Let's look at that together. We'll come back to the word perfecter. See, like I said, I could lead you downstairs, but that, the path's already been made. The stairs are already in place. The people have gone that way before. You see, Pioneer speaks much more of the sense, perhaps an explorer coming to a jungle. There's no path. There's no way. There's nothing. He's just got his machete in his hand and he's got to cut his way through. But he's, he's forming, clearing this way. I'll jump down. He's clearing the way down through the forest, through the jungle. There's nothing there. He's getting hacked by the trees and all this kind of stuff. He's making the path. And then there is a way for people to come. There is a way for people to follow. That's the sense of the word pioneer. The author is making it very clear. He's not just talking about Jesus being a good example or someone who seems to know the right way to go. Oh yeah, come, come and follow me. I think I've got an idea. We're called to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer of faith. What does Jesus say himself in John 14, verse 6? In John 14... We see this. Jesus isn't just an example to follow. Jesus isn't just uh, some kind of good leader with some good teaching. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not just the leader to follow. He's the way. He's the one who brings life. He's the one who makes the way. So we can see why the word gets translated author or founder. He's, he's writing it out. He's opening it up. He's, he's, it wasn't there before he did it. He's the one who makes the way for us to have faith. He make, he's the one who brings faith. He's the one who makes faith possible. We see here immediately echoes of chapter 2 and verse 10 in Hebrews. We see the same word in that, in that verse. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. We see Jesus. He's the one who makes a way. It's clear in that verse. Jesus is the one who brings salvation. Jesus is the one who, who, who saves us. He's the one who enables it to happen. He makes it possible. He's the one bringing it in and leading many to glory, as it goes on to say in the next verse. The one who opens the way. Jesus, the pioneer of faith. 
opens the door, bringing many to glory, bringing many to God, to the Father, to bringing people into his family. As I say, it goes on to say in chapter 2, verse 11, Jesus isn't ashamed to call people, call us his brothers. He's, he's the one who's opened the way. So we're called to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer in this sense, the one who has opened the way, the one who has made a way. How? Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God's. The writers of the Hebrews isn't calling us to fix our eyes on a good teacher. To fix our eyes on a, yeah, he seems like a sound chap. But to fix your eyes on the one who died for you. To fix your eyes on the one who endured the cross. This is what Jesus came to do. This is, this is how he makes the way. This is how he is the way, the truth, and the life. He came to go to the cross. You see, this is where salvation is won. You see, Paul, in that wonderful passage in Philippians, shows us, look, this is what Jesus did. This is what... This is. Paul encourages us in that passage in Philippians 2. This is humility. Be like this. But what does it say about Jesus? Philippians 2 and verse 5 we're called to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Our author calls us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer of faith who endured the cross. Jesus, the one who was dying a criminal's death, public, exposed, hanging there on a Roman cross. Enduring the cross, scorning its shame. We talk much more often, certainly in the West, of guilt. Jesus paid our price. Jesus paid the price. Jesus takes the punishment away. We, we look at examples like it's, like, in, it's like being in a courtroom. We're standing in the dock. We're guilty. We've done the wrong thing. We've got it wrong. Jesus comes and says, no, I'm taking the punishment. I'm taking the punishment. And the judge says, yes, I'll accept that. Pays the price. That is paid. It's totally true. That's true. He pays the price for our, our sin. He takes the wrath of God. But here also, our author highlights this. This aspect. Jesus, the one who endured the cross, scorning its shame. He hangs there, dying a criminal's death, exposed, rejected, humiliated, cast out. Look at him. 
Look at him. Hanging on the cross. Hanging, dying a death that Romans wouldn't do to, wouldn't wouldn't submit their own citizens to. It's too low, it's too shameful. Wouldn't put a Roman on the cross. It's too bad. Rejected. An outcast led out from the city, outside the city, out from the people, hanging alone. Obviously two other criminals beside him, but alone on the cross. We see Isaiah talked about the the Saviour, the Messiah who would come. In Isaiah 53, it's a wonderful passage in its whole. We see in verse 3, talking of Jesus, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Jesus hanging on a cross. He was saying, look at him. We don't want anything to do with him. Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. Yes, he paid the price. He paid the price, so therefore I can stand justified. I can stand in his righteousness. I can stand my guilt is gone. But also, he was rejected. Therefore, I can be accepted, welcomed in, made clean. My shame is taken away. I can come in to the family of God. See, the writer to the Hebrews is so clear throughout. This is Jesus. This is Jesus, the great high priest who offers the perfect sacrifice. He's picking up that Old Testament theme. Look, this is what God has set out. You've sinned, so come, bring a sacrifice. Bring a sacrifice now. And you can, we, we can bring forgiveness. We can be in right relationship again, but it's over and over again. Again and again, these sacrifices don't pay the price. They don't do it. And yet Jesus, he's the great high priest who once and for all pays the price. Hebrews 9, verse 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good, thing which are, good things which are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. Again, the priests on earth, they would have gone into the, the tabernacle, initially then into the temple. That's where they went, the temple in Jerusalem. They went and they took their sacrifice, the sacrifices for the people. But Jesus, he goes into the greater, the more perfect time. Now he's entering the throne room of God himself. Going into the most holy place. Not a tabernacle made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood. So obtaining eternal redemption. He explains the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean. Sanctify them so that they're outwardly clean. And he makes the point. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the one 
who once and for all has paid the price. The one who once and for all, not with a bull, not with a calf, not with a sheep, not with anything like that. He brought himself as the sacrifice. It's what the writer of the Hebrews has been building through all the way through his letter. Look, look how much greater this is. So fix your eyes on him. The pioneer of faith. He's made the way. He's opened the way once and for all. There's something far better has come. The one whom the law and the prophets point to. So our writer's so keen. Jesus didn't just come as just a great teacher, just a good example. Well, yeah, I could follow after him. He seems like he's got some good things to say. No! He came to die. Once and for all to deal with the great problem of sin. Dealing with our guilt, dealing with our shame. Therefore, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, the founder, the one who has made a way, the one who is the way, the truth and the life. The pioneer of faith. Who endured the cross, scorning its shame. The pioneer in that way, but actually, you need to lose, not lose sight. He's the one. He's the pioneer in that he's the one who's gone before us. We rightly and will emphasize massively and wholeheartedly, he's not just an example. He has done so much more. And yet we see his great example. You see, the word is more pioneer. It's more than author or founder. We see that sense. He's written it. He's made it. He's done it. But if we're not careful, if we're not authors ourselves, perhaps an author might actually can see actually the depth of that word. But we can look at an author and think, actually, yeah, you get, you get really into your story. You're living it. You're part of it. But you're not in it. You're writing it. Now, that's not belittling how, how much an author is, is in the story. They're living it, feeling it, but they're not in the story. We could, if we're not careful, we get this kind of view. Ah, uh, yeah, Jesus, he's the, one, the author of salvation. He, he was the one who flicked the switch, or he did it. He did it, and then said, actually, now you can run. Now you're able to run. But he's not aloof and disconnected. We've already seen it. We, in some ways, having looked at it, how can we even think that? Because here, Jesus isn't the author in that sense, living outside of the, the reality, writing the story down, off you go. Because how did he pioneer salvation, pioneer faith? How did he do it? How did he make the way? Philippians 2, 5 again. He didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage, but he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being found in human likeness, 
being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself even to the point of death. He, he stepped in. He stepped down, he stepped in, and he lived the life. Enduring even to the cross. You see, he truly is the pioneer of faith. He lived it out. He's done it. He leads the way. He's not just an example, but he certainly is the ultimate example. The Son of God who became a man and lived a perfect life. So our author is so clear. Fix your eyes on him. The one who endured the cross. The one who scorned its shame. The one who endured such opposition from sinners. He's so clear in pointing this out. This is so important to his readers. Look, Jesus isn't some kind of... He's up there in the clouds saying, yes, I've, I've made a way for you, so off you go. Hmm, I can't really understand what you're going through, but that's... I'm sure you can find a way. I've made a way, so, so go for it. Jesus. He's lived it. He's gone through it. He endured such opposition from sinners. He endured the cross. You see, Jesus gets it in terms of suffering. Hebrews 2 and verse 17 this time. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus gets it. He's lived the life. As he goes on in Hebrews 4 and verse 14 to say, Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, yet was without sin. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, Jesus is the... We're being, we're being shown, we're being revealed. Look, Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The pioneer, he, he understands. He knows what it is to go through anything that we can face and more. And so much more. Fix your eyes on Jesus who suffered, who has been there, who endured. The pioneer who faced what you will never have to, what we will never have to. Because he endured the cross. He endured having the whole weight of God's wrath against sin on him so that we will never have to. If we're in him, if we come to him, if we... Fix our eyes on him. He's done it. 
The author's so clear. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, the one who enables faith, the one who authors faith, the one who makes the way, the one who is the way. But in doing so, in being the way, he leads the way. He's gone before us. He's faced the greatest trials. He understands. Jesus, the pioneer of faith, is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Another long word. The perfecter of faith. As we look through his story, as we look through the Gospels, as we look even here in the writer to the Hebrews, what he's written, we see Jesus, the one who lived a perfect life. The one who perfectly lived a life following the will of God. Again, we see echoes of chapter 2 and verse 10. It was fitting that God made uh, the that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. We see the perfect Son of God who lives a perfect life being made to be the perfect sacrifice. He perfectly did it. Perfect obedience, perfect faith, our perfect Saviour. So therefore, fix your eyes on Jesus, the one who perfectly followed the Father, humbling himself to be the perfect sacrifice. But again, perfecter goes deeper than he did it perfectly. He's the one who perfects it. He's the one who completes, who finishes, who has done it ultimately, as we see, reminding us, of that moment on the cross we see reported in John's Gospel, in John chapter 19. Jesus endured the cross. And John 19 and verse 30, they give him a drink. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the one who finishes it, who does it, who has completed it. His sacrifice was once and for all. His sacrifice has paid the price once and for all. He's the one who is at work in us. We're believing him. If we're in Christ, he is at work in us and he will bring to completion the work he has started. Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Our author, he says it very quickly. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. It's huge. Look at him. Look at Jesus. Look at the one who leads the way. The one who opens the way. The one who is the way. Look at the one who endured the cross. Look at the one who went to the cross. Look at the one who lived the perfect life, yet was tempted in every way. Yet he did not sin. The one who has pioneered and perfected faith. He's the one who has said it is finished. The one who has done it, ultimately. 
and the one who ultimately is at work in us and will bring that work to completion. Perfecter of faith. The finisher. The one to whom Paul, in that wonderful passage in Philippians, goes on to complete. Therefore God has exalted him to the highest place and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the one who has done it. And therefore, he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the one we are to fix our eyes on. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is the one who has saved us. Therefore, fix your eyes on him, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. So we see him. Jesus, who endured the cross, the pain, the agony, the shame, the rejection. Why? Well, again, our author tells us what is true. Middle of verse 2. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We've looked at the cross. We see the pain. If we look in the Garden of Gethsemane, they've had the Last Supper. They've gone out to the garden. Jesus knows the time is near. Father, if there's any other way, will you take this cup from me? Yet, not my will, but yours be done. We see the pain, the agony, the grief, the, the turmoil that is going through him. And yet, not my will, but yours be done. But the joy that was set before him, he endured. What is it? What is this joy? There's joy for him in doing the will of the Father. Yet not my will, but yours be done. There's joy. He could see, he knew the glorious plan that was being worked out. The glorious plan that they had put together before the beginning of time. Jesus, you're going to go to the cross. He could see. I know where this is headed. I know where this is going. And I will do the will of my Father. For the joy set before him in Hebrews 2 and verse 10, what is it that will happen in bringing many sons and daughters to glory? This is the plan worked out. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him that many would be saved. This is for purpose. This is for the salvation of many. Jesus told the men on the road, or the two, the two, uh, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Don't you get it? Didn't you realise this is what must happen? This is Luke twenty-four, verse twenty-six. This is what must happen. The, the, the Messiah, the Son of Man, must suffer before he enters his glory. The joy set before him. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. 
and gave him the name that is above every name. That one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That many would be saved. He would come into this glory. You see, in all of it, it's for the joy set before him. Jesus is looking ahead. Jesus is looking at what is to come. The joy that's set before him. He has his eyes fixed on this. He's looking forward. And so likewise, we are called, fix your eyes, where? On him. On Jesus. Jesus had his eyes fixed on the joy that was before him. So likewise, we run as to win the prize with our eyes fixed on him. Because we're called to follow, to run, to go. But you see, this is our author's encouragement to us. Come back and see him. See Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Look. He's the one we're running for. He's the one we're running after. He's the one who's made the way. He's the one who we will spend eternity with. Fix your eyes on him, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Where else can we turn? What else can come in and say, no, 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 I'm, and distracts? Well, so many things seem to think they can come in and distract. So many things can distract us, and yet, no, look. What? Fix our eyes on him. The author, the pioneer, the perfecter of faith. Bow in awe before him and be encouraged. We've got a race to run, but we have an incredible, awesome, amazing saviour. Therefore, the author of the Hebrews says, whatever's going on around, whatever you're facing, whatever temptation there is to say, well, all my friends seem to be going back to the synagogue. Whatever they're saying, whatever it is for us, whatever trials come our way, whatever distractions pop up, don't go there. Because something far better has come. Jesus, the Son of God, fix your eyes on him. And be amazed. Amen. Let's pray. We're going to worship together as we close. We'll see where God takes us in that. Father God.